Welcome to In My Headache, I'm Aaron Rhodes. And I'm Bill Brownlee. Aaron is the oldest member of Gen Z. Bill Brownlee is the world's youngest baby boomer. Aaron and I argue about, and sometimes agree on, the music we love and hate on In My Headache. In each episode, Bill and I debate the merits of two new albums and one vintage recording. In this edition of In My Headache, Aaron and I consider the latest releases from the rap rebel Tyler the Creator and the country icon Willie Nelson. We also take a fresh look at Harry Nielsen's 1970 concept album, The Point. In My Headache is sponsored by the Vinyl Underground at 7th Heaven, offering new and used vinyl at 76 and Troost in Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, Bill, we, as we discussed in our, uh, brief pre-production meeting, uh, you and I, uh, have lots of notes about our first album today, which was my pick. It is Tyler, the creator's Call Me If You Get Lost. This album was released back in June, and I said, and I was, this is about when we took a break briefly over the, over the summer, just because we, we had other things going on. And um, I was sad that we did not get to discuss this album or the most recent Vince Staples album during our break. So I don't know if we'll, we'll end up getting to the Vince album. And, but seeing that I haven't had much new music listening time lately, like less than normal, um, I figured this would be an easy pick to go back to considering we, we missed it. And we are as any avid Bill and or Aaron fan knows uh, shared a, a passion for uh, Tyler, the creator. If you are unfamiliar, uh, you might be listening to the wrong pa- podcast, but if, if, if you're, if you're with us, uh, Tyler, of course, rose to fame a decade ago as part of the LA rap collective odd future uh, along with, uh, Frank Ocean, Earl Sweatshirt, Sid, and several of their other friends. Um, as Bill introduced him, he is something of a rap rebel. He is always kind of just being his authentic self 24-7, even when it gets him into trouble. Um, I, I love that on one song on this album, he, he even, like, zooms out, like, self-aware mode like curb your enthusiasm style he says i don't even like using the word bitch i just thought it sounded cool um and which is also maybe um a bit of a tongue-in-cheek reference to his um past incident with one specific uh homophobic slur which uh it turns out folks he's he's bisexual so like you were all upset at him for nothing. So like, let, let's, let's, uh, let's let the man live. But Bill, um, how have you been enjoying this album since its release? How, 
how frequently have you listened to this album since its release? And do you have any up top notes? I think we both agreed that we can do almost a track by track breakdown of this album, considering that almost every song is at least somewhat noteworthy. First, Aaron, I have to say, and I apologize in advance. Okay. You look malnourished. Okay, I, th I thought you were gonna come at me for, for this. You're, you've got jokes, Bill, you've got jokes. Yeah, that's that's the uh, punchline to uh, the would-be hit on the album. Uh, no, Tyler is arguably the most interesting and most important musician in popular music today and has been for maybe the last five years. Uh, yeah, so Call Me If You Get Lost is a complex album. I've spent a lot of time listening to it. There are tracks I love, there are tracks I truly detest. There's a lot to think about. Uh, it's year-end ranking time and I reckon, uh, call me if you get lost, Aaron will rank, I don't know, somewhere between three and 10 on my list. Nice. Is it your, and, and, and for the record, this is the, I think the first album we've discussed that topped Billboard's 200 album chart. Oh, look so at us. Is, we're this we're is being, the number one album. We're, we're being optimists, but it's, 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 with, it's with our favorite guys. So, you know, maybe, maybe we're not. Uh, I, but I, 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 that's not important. Um, what is important is that this album will certainly be in my top 10 this year. Um, may, perhaps top five, maybe there's a good chance top five. Um, and I, I was also trying to evaluate it in regards to the rest of his discography. It's in my top five Tyler albums, but I think honestly, like, it's almost like a favorite child situation for me. And it kind of just depends on whatever mood I'm in. Like uh, Goblin, his, his breakout hit, um, his, his breakout album is kind of uh, maybe bound to be my number one favorite due to just that's when I got into him and that's him at his most uh, kind of antagonistic and dark and crazy which i which i admired just due to its kind of punk rock adjacency but uh this album is as well put together as his last two like in this in these last three albums he's really hit a stride as far as like arrangements and sequencing and like just making the albums a clear artistic statement uh like past albums had like been been filled with songs i love and um stuff like that but like these last three i've been very specific in their vision i think and and executed exactly probably how tyler hoped i i think um and this 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 one is very cool just because um uh you know, as I said, these last few albums have have had specific themes, but this one is to me is like, I, th I think it's pr pretty clear that it's the the combination of a Wes Anderson movie and a, a DJ drama mixtape. Um, just because, yeah, he's he's rapping on all these songs about 
traveling the world and there's like at least three songs where he mentions being on a boat and he's rapping about being in switzerland and france and all these exotic places and uh rapping about the wealth he's accumulated through his fashion endeavors his music and everything else but but he's unhappy he, he he can often be unhappy he's a he's a moody type of guy he's um but but it to to our for you know for our selfish purposes um his uh abstinence from alcohol and drugs may i it's he 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 put he puts it all on the track like he's not like wallowing in in like psychedelics and opioids like the rest of like the top 40 charts seem to be right now you know he's 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 vivid in his his storytelling and his detailing of whatever happiness or unhappiness he is currently um encountering and um yeah do you want to do you want to get to just moving through some of these 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 tracks yeah let's do it the 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 album opens with a sample of a billy cobham track from 1976 with john schofield on guitar and it's the kind of sample you hear everywhere i went back and looked into it it was first used this billy cobham jazz fusion track by uh atmosphere in 1993 and most recently, uh, it was on a Griselda track, uh, maybe even something we talked about on this Which podcast. Was, and this Griselda track by West Side Gun was produced by Kansas City native Conductor Williams. So We have a problem. Hometown, hometown shout out there, yes. Conductor, we have a problem. So yeah, that's, I, I love that. But here, come, here's, here we, but we immediately run into a problem a real problem, which is DJ drama shouting from, from the get-go. Oh, okay. I, I, I forgot that when we discussed, I, I remember I, as, as, as I was preparing for this episode, I remember we discussed um, that, that Gucci Mane Burprint 3D as my throwback of uh, a few episodes ago. And I forgot that you completely shit on DJ drama. I, I anticipated like that's his his participation again is one of my favorite things about this album and it is only upsetting to bill i have a theory that tyler despises dj drama as well and unwittingly dj drama is the punchline to his own jokes throughout the album no i disagree i think i i, I remember when when uh, Goblin first came out, I was like obsessed with Tyler and like watching all of these like YouTube videos that Odd Future would put out, like all these home videos of them just like skating and driving around Los Angeles and making music. And there's like multiple clips of Tyler listening to like Walk a Flock of Flame mixtape songs, like and some of which I think may have been gangster grills if not in a similar style and he just like freaks out and loses his mind and like 
jumps all around the car and whatever like store he's in when these songs come on and i think he's a genuine fan of dj drama he he definitely pushes i think he there he certainly wrote some of dj drama's drops for him on this album there is the one line where he's like uh we're uh, we're i'm I'm being fed the French vanilla ice cream by a woman. We've, we've got our toes out that that is like certainly Tyler, like poking fun at the like aggressive nature, the kind of macho nature of the DJ drama drop. But I am forced to believe that he has a sincere appreciation for DJ drama. As do I. Well, I, I beg to differ. And, you know, the 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 track in which uh, DJ Drama shouts out, "We're in Geneva," that's Switzerland. Yeah. That has to be. T- Tyler had to leave that in just to make DJ Drama look like an idiot, which he is, of course. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm I'm okay. Let's let's move past your your DJ Drama hate. I I've, I've I've had about. I'm <laughs> shut up, Bill. <laughs> We we joked about this beforehand. I was going I told Bill to shut up. It was it was a joke, but and I'm also kind of joking, but kind of not. Um, <laughs> Bill, you said you, you could speak for for five minutes about this this first track, uh, Sir Baudelaire. Uh, what what else do you have to say about it before we move forward? Well, there's so much there. It, uh, you know, between the sample, between DJ Drama, between uh, the all these nicknames that come out of the blue from the beginning and what is the the bunny hop what what's going on i don't even know i don't even understand half the things he's saying yeah i think um well an important the the uh if you look at the album art for call me if you get lost it is what appears to be either a passport or like a look like a luxury kind of luggage tag and so like a main, a major theme on this album, like in many Wes Anderson movies is like this traveling and these exotic locales. And um, I think like Tyler has always like had these, like he's always, I think, created small worlds in his mind around each of his albums, like, like films, if you will. Like he is kind of an auteur rapper and producer and I feel like he's drawn to auteur filmmakers and so I think he has constructed all of these nicknames and all of this kind of lore and canon for this album even if the listener is not kind of keen to what some of it means I think it's like Tyler indulging this kind of uh, mind palace that he's created and like, cause, cause I, I, I think it was when Cherry Bomb came out, he, I think he made a, like a film trailer. No, I think it was Wolf. He made like a film trailer for Wolf. That was like two or three minutes long. And like me and like all of my like high school friends at the time were like convinced that he was making an actual movie with this around this album. Cause, cause there were like, there was a little clips of music in it, but like, it looked like a genuine film trailer. So like, I think he does have like, like, yeah, all of these additional ideas that maybe don't make it into a lyric or whatever, but he, he has like these concepts around uh, these songs. 
to my idea. But um, then there's also uh, Lemonhead. Uh, I think that's one of the next songs. Um, it's it's not, you know, like I think everything, every like hard, heavy Tyler song, I maybe compare back to Yonkers a little just because that was the one that first grabbed me. And, you know, it's this the song is nearly as hard as as Yonkers. Like the Tyler as 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 many like pretty like flowery jazz parts and interludes that he he puts on songs or like tender kind of R&B moments he makes like he he still loves like like really hard knocking percussion and hi hats and like trap style production like you would find on uh like a dirty south mixtape and uh that's present on lemonhead and the presence of um on i think it's on lemonhead you get a 42 doug feature and on what's your name you get a young boy never broke again feature and these kind of uh caught me off guard on on first listen uh, when i first discovered they were on this album but like tyler is kind of to me this like mad scientist character when he's creating his albums and he's like who is who would be the craziest, like most perfect person for this exact moment. And uh, given his budget and his connections at this point, like he can work with really almost anyone he wants to. So like, yeah, he pulls in these kind of on the rise, like maybe B-level Southern rap stars for these verses. And they, they both, come off like a charm i don't know yeah the he is tyler at this point is in the tradition clearly of drake and kanye in that he hears an interesting artist like you said at at a b level and says yeah I, i need you on my album it's really exciting i love that yep and then the next track of course is lumberjack which is an instant classic and the the the, the tagline here is it's really different, yeah. Which is true, yeah. Um, no, yeah, and like this this is um, I think I, I I have not encountered a single one of these songs on our local hip hop station, but I could see this being one of a few songs on this album that could get radio play if there was a big enough push for it. Maybe in Los Angeles or New York, it got some play. I don't know, maybe in Atlanta, uh, but yeah, this is a very lumberjack's a very fun song um, that kind of re- addresses like the rap industry old guard that was like not too sure about him to begin with. Like, who's this new kid? Like, they every, he got a lot of shit from like hip hop media when he first um, rose to fame, and he also it, it, there's there's a lot going on in the song. He he kind of casually comes to terms with his father's absence, which has been a continuing theme throughout his his music. He also kind of, uh, on multiple songs in this album, but this one included, celebrates his mother and her support for him. And then he also just drops in like, ra- raps about like certain cars he likes. He's like a car nerd, like in, in the same way, I think that he's a music nerd. So yeah, Lumberjack is a super fun song. And the next track has 
Lil Wayne sounding better than he sounded in 10 years, maybe. Well, but also, th- yes, this is a top-notch Wayne verse, but also he, he Wayne sounded great on Smuckers, the, the track he has with Tyler and Kanye on Cherry Bomb. Tyler has there's something about him that he he really knows how to bring the best out of any co-producer or featured artist on any of his songs. So shout out to him for that. And yeah, Wayne sounds um, amazing. Um, You're like, wow, he, he has pulled a second amazing Wayne verse out of his hat. um, And that's no small feat um not not to not to diminish wayne's talent but like he's he's not always the most focused guy in, 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 you know in the last decade so to achieve that two times is uh, a feat and um yeah you can tell um yeah no sorry um then uh after after that you have the song massa uh he opens the song like plain spokenly like professing his love for travel and like how important it's been in uh his coming of age and just development in life and uh he also like this is this is one of the more like plain spoken tracks on the album like just in general he's very like transparent and words um everything in a very straightforward fashion not a lot of simile or metaphor he's rapping about um his just different ways he's come of age his successes uh, but also addressing his his sexuality as he does a couple other times on this album um and it's really i don't know just a a very he like being a very strong personality and like a, like, you know, you can tell his mind is always racing like a thousand miles a minute, but like, I think this song is a nice um, show of restraint almost. But it still hits, it, it, it's, it, it's in the vein of Yonkers. It's, it's hard. It is, it is still hard, yes. Um, and then you also then you have run it up which is it's cool it takes like the this very grandiose like luxurious energy the album has like it has all these horns it has dj drama shouting about being cool and sick and great and then he he kind of elevates um like crunk music or like memphis party rap and like just takes this repetitive um chorus of we gonna run it up and he like so he has this like bouncy percussive like crunk party rap song but like adds his kind of luxury art rap like flair to it and i i think that's really fun and i watched i've watched a a concert video of I saw a few clips of him at Lollapalooza, I think. And then I watched like, it was basically the release show of this album. It was like filmed by Amazon music and put on YouTube in full. And it was like a, just a sold out theater show in New York looked like, like the size of like the uptown or the Midland. And 
people just lost their minds to this song. And I also wanted to note that that concert um, focused mainly on Call Me If You Get Lost, but he mixed in his other songs in a very, like, smooth, like, uh, I'm, I don't know words. He, He just mixed the other songs from his catalog in very smoothly. And, like, you can, part of being a Tyler fan, I think, is, like, being rewarded by, like, he'll, he'll have a song where, like, on the last few albums, you're like, oh, this is exactly what he was trying to do on those, like, first three albums, but he just didn't have the production skill or the budget to do back then, so you're, you're, you're constantly, like, being like, oh, that's just, like, the song on, on Cherry Bomb or Wolf or Goblin, but, like, he only knew how to do like a little dinky like synth line back then, but now he has like live instrumentation or like this far more sprawling, uh, impressive uh, style of production. Sorry, I, I hit like three different notes there and did not let you say anything, Bill. Bill, say something. Well, it's the next track that is the one that I could write a thesis about it's called manifesto in fact and to my mind Aaron it's the most thematically complex song of 2021 it's really like I I list on I think I gave like on on my first listen of this album I was like oh yeah I enjoy all of these songs but I I do think I was very immediately struck by how intense and thought-provoking this song is and it's almost like I don't know it's a I I end up I I listen to a lot of like podcasts that like talk like politics and just culture in general and like you know cancel culture comes up a lot like modern left-wing politics come up a lot and the stuff I listen to and you know but but this is Tyler critiquing a lot of very popular left-wing talking points in a way that few artists or media figures are comfortable doing. And he, he does it in the form of this amazing song. And it's, it's, it's weird. I think I was looking at the genius page just to see all the lyrics and somebody noted at the bottom, like, Oh, this, this could be a reference to uh, Kendrick's mortal man. But I'm like, but I did like, I, I, I don't, I don't know what that specific reference would be. Um, but I did write down that Kendrick Lamar did a similar thing in a much shorter fashion on his appearance on baby Keem's family ties he he has that line where he's like i'm i'm not with the overnight activist shit like get like something like that he he's like yeah like i i'm not oblig like tyler is basically saying on this song like i am not obligated to use my art to make a political statement that you want me to make even if it is like a righteous one or a worthwhile one like people like people feel very entitled sometimes to push artists to say specific things and like 
oh, it's for the greater good. It's going to make the world a better place. And it's kind of like art to me is first and foremost, just a way it's, it's about self-expression. It's a way. And so as a creator, it's about self-expression as a, a patron, a, a listener, and an appreciator of art, any art form. I music is art. Um, it's a it's a way to enrich your lives and your and to connect with other humans because they're expressing themselves, hopefully, in an authentic way. And I think a lot of people don't really agree with or stop to think about that concept uh when they engage with music and therefore end up trying to push their agenda on others even if it is a righteous one so i think this is tyler really like pushing back against that idea is that what you what you took from the song bill that's well articulated aaron or you could do like tyler and just drop in the sample of little john shouting gangsta gangsta yeah. To convey the same point. Yeah. Gangsta, gangsta. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll just start saying that in conversation now. Shorthand. <laughs> I'll, I'll say that. I'll, I'll probably just say that to you. Maybe I would, maybe I just won't be walking around saying that. But uh, <laughs> um, the, the, ne- the next song is uh, problematic because it's two songs. One is really good and one is really terrible. Yeah, no, okay, so Sweet is one of the songs that I did not, it, it's one of the, the lesser songs on this album. It is basically just a rehashing of a couple different Tyler R&B songs from his catalog, just with different like uh, similes and metaphors replacing old ones, but not really, like it's a very simple one that anyone like any R&B or hip hop writer could come up with. Yeah, but that's so, okay. It, it's, it's cameo. It's like a, it's, he's, yeah. he's lovingly spoofing cameo or the gap band. Yeah. He's just rewriting all those songs. Wait, are, are you saying sweet is, is the better That's song the good up? one. Oh it's no. We, oh, we're yeah. disagreeing. I like this. I this is good. Yeah. And then I, I don't, I have no issue with sweet. It, I just found it to be like, he has, Th- three other songs that sound like that so yeah and it's it's he it's it's not it's a break after the really intellectually heavy song that precedes it uh which is what the album needs yeah but then just when the groove is hitting on sweet he flips it and it becomes this trashy reggae thing that no, is just garbage Bill. and then that goes on forever oh no bill 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 um okay i will say okay i watched the i'm alluding to this amazon concert again but he it 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 sucks like that i have this knowledge like i like i don't think tyler is actually um a like trojan records like like throwback reggae roots dance hall lovers rock fan like I, but he comes, he came off like that on this song, but in that concert, he mentions that he watched 
the Steve McQueen film Lovers Rock, which is part of the Small Axe anthology, which also happens to be on Amazon. I don't know if that was just coincidence or not. I, I don't know if there was any weirdness there. But um, he, he says he, he watched this movie, which is basically, it's, it's a really fun movie to watch if you enjoy uh, British culture or uh, reggae music at all. Like, it's just a one-hour movie that's, like, it kind of just chronicles the, this, this, like, reggae house party in, like, 70s uh, England. And it's a very fun watch because it's there's just like 10 minute long like dance scenes where all these people are like having a blast and dancing to these these dance hall songs. But um, this the song is like a great recreation of uh, that type of song. No, it's not. It it oh, sounds like no. it sounds like one of those contemporary white reggae California bands who sings about, you know, this, marijuana this on every song. what it sounds like. I'm like, why, why is this happening? No, 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 no. No, it, it, the, the percussion and all of the, the tones and the instrumentation and the, even the lyrics, to me, uh, came off as authentic uh, lover's rock and could fit easily if, you know, like tweaked to be more lo-fi to be on just any trojan records compilation and it has this acapella moment at the end of this portion of the track that like mimics the uh janet k song silly games which is um like kind of the climax moment of that film lovers rock so like knowing that he was like one-to-one kind of ripping off that moment cheapens it for me i wish i didn't know that he had watched that film also and was inspired by that but that being said i'll probably forget that at some point and we'll just go back to enjoying this song um but then he he, he does kind of end up just blending it back into his his kind of throwback r&b love song rap that he he began the song with and it is this kind of strange nine minute trip but it is is an enjoyable one for me um, um, overall i will reconsider and okay. undoubtedly maintain my position <laughs> um okay uh rise is that was a dull point for me also yeah there is nothing very agreed. interesting agreed. About and agreed. so it, maybe we can quickly move to juggernaut which is a very fun song maybe it's, maybe the best song yeah it's it's up there it's basically just this technicolor flex fest that tyler pharrell and lil uzi vert uh engage on and it's just yeah it's just like three four minutes what of just really fun raps about all their cool cars and jewelry and success they've had and they've all uh uzi a little bit less so Tyler less than Pharrell. Um, they've they've all shifted hip hop music in one way or another, and uh, I think it's cool to see them all convening on this song and just having fun together. Agreed. And then we can move to Wilshire. 
which is an eight minute song kind of catches you off guard um it's kind of uh he's kind of doing the same thing he did on awkward i I think that song was on um wolf um it's basically just a step-by-step detailed uh account of uh, a relationship he had and it's it's kind of it's kind of funny like i um for the first few minutes, I was kind of bored by it, um, but then I started to think about it in the context of, oh, Tyler came up when Tumblr was a very prominent platform. Like that was where, like I think the original Odd Future blog was hosted on Tumblr. So I'm pretty sure he was using like a personal Tumblr account at some point, and probably, if not posting having like reading other people's long winds long-winded what these are what you would call text posts on tumblr which is like where uh any teenager would use the blogging platform as like a fucking diary where they just talked about like would write like a wall of text about like why they are sad that day like what went wrong in their life like what their parents did said or like what their like love interest did that upset them and i think this song is him doing an eight minute tumblr text post and i kind of appreciate it in that sense and it's also just him yeah it's it's him being an emo teenager and like wanting to detail and like document all of these very small moments that like on to a listener don't sound really too compelling or important but i'm sure like in the context of like his the way he narrativizes this relationship in his mind he's like oh the like we we i don't this this isn't part of the song but you know like i'm sure you've had moments bill with love interests in your life where like oh we were having this conversation that was really important and it was outside and then I looked up afterward and saw the moon and like you know so he's he's mentioning like kind of trivial minute details like that all over this song and it's never in a very compelling way as someone who doesn't who wasn't there for any of these moments but that being said I think he's valid in like he's he's in he's being quite self-indulgent on this song but i think we should i think he's earned enough goodwill to where i'm fine with him making an eight minute text post yeah that's a really good take aaron and i think you're right but that doesn't make the song good yeah and as you suggest he's oversharing and hearing this once is enough for most anyone. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll likely skip this on most uh, re-listens, maybe unless I'm like particularly in my feelings at some point. But uh, <laughs> yeah, um, okay, we're, we're almost wrapping here. Have we have we done like twenty minutes on Tyler? I hope we haven't fucking just. I don't. I'm. I'm. I'm not keeping track. Uh, yeah, Bill, do you have any closing thoughts? Uh, no, that's, that's about all I had for Call we, Me If You Get Lost. We've covered it, and, you know, I, 
the, you know, the good and the bad. Uh, I don't know if we've talked about it in this podcast, but the first time we met face to face was at a Roy Ayers concert and you had invited uh, Tyler to come. Yes. And he did. And watching Tyler jump up and down to this jazz funk legend in a small club sparked joy in my heart. Yes. He is one of us, a true music nerd. He's a music nerd. We're, we're both music nerds. Shout out to all the music nerds. Um, yeah, no, I love this album. Uh, it has its low points, but God damn it. If Tyler is still not maybe my favorite music artist in the year 2021. Uh, Bill, would you like to introduce our next album? I raved about Fire Tools in the last episode of In My Headache. And to that point, I expect and sometimes demand artists to evolve and innovate. But this week, I'm breaking my own rule by praising an album that's just more of the same. But when the same is Willie Nelson, well, I'm all in. Willie has been an essential part of my life for more than 50 years. Uh, in 1971, my dad had an album titled Willie Nelson and Family. That album had some gospel songs and a cover of a Chris Christopherson tune and a Hank Williams classic and a song called Kneel at the Feet of Jesus. Well, 50 years later, a new album titled The Willie Nelson Family, which is Willie Nelson's 95th studio album and his second studio album of 2021, including a Sinatra set, uh, is a follow-up, 50th anniversary follow-up to that 1971 album. I've been too sick to pray, Lord. That's why we ain't talked in a while. It's been some of them days, Lord. I thought I was on my last mile. So the songs may be rehashed, but they hit different now, given Willie's age. Want to guess how old he is? He's I, 88. He's 88? I, I, yeah. And in spite of you know, all the, these gospel songs in this album, I don't think this new release is about God. I think it's a concept album, one of many Willie Nelson's done in his career, a concept album about, about mortality and death. So, Aaron, did this album kill you? Um, it, it had a moment or two where it killed me. Um, I, what was more impactful, I, I'm, did, is, I'm, I hate doing the, did you read my article? Uh, but did, did you read my, my write-up of this, this summer's ZZ Top and Willie Nelson concert? I did. You did. Okay, so you you did read me discussing the heaviness that came across in Willie Nelson's performance and the themes of mortality in many of those songs. And uh, I do think those themes, I, I, I was, I think I pondered even in that review, whether 
it was him or maybe a clever member of his family that is pushing the pushing him to perform these very straightforward tracks about death and God and heaven and family and life in in his advanced age. Uh, because, you know, as as I noted at the concert, he looked a bit frail and, you know, is not sounding like quite like he used to, uh, despite, you know, still he he appeared, you know, present uh, more so than some other elderly artists I've encountered. Um, so, yeah, no, the that was something I went into this album kind of expecting uh, especially, you know, browsing the, the track list. And uh, yeah, I think um, it, the, this, this album at its worst came off as awkward and stilted in its execution. It's kind of funny, like you look at the album cover and like Willie's smiling but some of his family members are like kind of half grinning and like look a little uncomfortable and like you're, you're kind of wondering still like it made me wonder again like who is pulling the strings here like who is giving the creative direction here is it Willie or is it someone from the label is it the family I'm who's to say uh I, I read a couple reviews of this album I couldn't find any interviews that pertain to it so this is all still a bit of a mystery to me but yeah. um oh i'm sorry yeah no go yeah for the record so we've got willie who's 88 his sister bobby who's been with him for, for the whole ride she is 90 so when some willie from time to time will say when you play a solo sister or something yeah. like that play some piano and it just is heartbreaking knowing that an 88-year-old is saying that to his 90-year-old sister. Yeah. I mean, heartbreaking in a good way, heartwarming, I guess. Then we've got Lucas, the uh, the son who is getting a big commercial push. He's 32. Yeah. My a son, Micah, who's 31. A uh, daughter, Paula, who's 51. And a daughter, Amy, who's 41. But uh, and, and some of the kids sing some, you know, some of the songs. Willie doesn't sing lead on every track. Uh but the best songs, of course, Willie does sing. Yep. And you know, to, to me, Aaron, Willie is really possesses the voice of America. It's not Ray Charles. It's not Billy Holiday. It's not Frank Sinatra. When I think of this country, I think of Willie Nelson. Hmm, interesting. And uh, here we have Willie clearly as, as he knows on, on his way out. Yeah, no. Uh, so as, as you said, there were several songs from his past catalog that he uh, he has brought back for this album, uh, Family Bible being one of them. And I feel like the song would have made a really great centerpiece to this album, considering its importance in Willie's discography. I believe I read that it was like his first kind of Nashville hit that kind of put him on the map. And it is about family and God and all of that stuff. Uh, but it, Willie's age, I believe, um, I, I noticed at the concert, like leads him to kind of involuntarily rush some of his singing. 
and like he's able to like gain some of that control back just like due to his like I think he has very strong like jazz instincts you know like he doesn't he's not gonna sing every lyric on its exact note but it will come out sounding nice so he still has some of that instinct intact that you can hear on the song and others but there are moments that do feel just rushed due to the fact that you know he doesn't have the maybe lung capacity or the uh, just mental agility that he once did. So I think Family Bible would have been a really great moment if it were more properly executed by Willie. One song that did achieve this, I believe, was Too Sick to Pray. You, I, I think you noted on your blog that this was one of your favorite uh, songs from this album. And this is another throwback, but yeah, no, it's, it was a, this is a more, this is a mid-paced track. Um, and Willie is able to kind of slow down a little bit and really hit all of the right notes on that one. Yeah. It's too sick to pray is one of five songs along with family Bible, uh, that you mentioned in God's eyes. I thought about you, Lord, and laying my burdens down that feel like, and seem like songs that people have been singing for hundreds of years, but they aren't. They are Willie Nelson original songs, which is mind blowing. Yeah. Uh, I know I've heard some of these songs in church in churches, and they sound like uh, you know, like in the garden, that uh, gospel hymn that has been around forever is is on this album. Willie's songs are equal to centuries old standards and to your point when he sings too sick to pray you know he's it's literally that's that's what the song's about it's like i i am dying and i'm sorry i haven't contacted you oh lord but i i'm literally too sick to do it yeah so i know you'll forgive me or and i i enjoy praying but in the act of praying but i can't it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough, man. This, this is, uh, this is, you know, real talk from a legend. Yeah. And, the, uh, it's, it's, he's, he's not kidding around. He, yeah. he, this is sincere. Yeah. If that, if that song doesn't punch you in the gut, I don't, I don't know what will. Um, and yeah, like you said, it's funny. I was, I was looking at the, the Wikipedia page for this album while I was listening and yeah, you mentioned some of these songs. I saw the light, kneel at the feet of Jesus, laying my burdens. These these are all Nelson originals. Well, the five oh. I mentioned are Nelson originals uh, yeah. that are, in my opinion, are just all time classics, and people will be uh, singing for hundreds of years. Yeah, no, I, saw I, the, I saw the light as a Hank Williams song. Okay, it, uh, it, got, right. it got me. Th- it got me thinking, though, Aaron. I mean, I love Hank Williams as much as anyone, but. And, and it's easy to, you know, revere the dead, especially uh, artists who have, are long gone, yeah. like Hank Williams. And this is not to take anything away from Hank, but Willie is Hank's equal or perhaps even more important because throughout his, you know, 60, 70 year career, Willie has continued to produce amazing music and he stayed on the road this entire time. 
I yeah. mean, Willie really is the goat. He's the goat. Yeah. Yep. That, He's that the goat. Did not have. Correct. Uh, so yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, this is not. I don't even know if this is in the top half of Willie's catalog, but yeah. that doesn't mean it's not fantastic. Oh yeah, and, and like like you said, like the the uh, the classics that he he brings back for this album, though uh, the the kind of gospel style classics, like yeah, no, I I was reading the like a, this is the point I was trying to make before I was looking at the songwriting credits, and I was like, it was Nelson, Nelson, Nelson. I'm like, are are these not standards? Are these not like I was, yeah, I like as someone not as uh, familiar with the entire Willie catalog as as you are, I was just amazed at like, yeah, no, I've heard these plenty of places or sung by plenty of people, and had no clue these were some of his some of his songs. Um, and yeah, my my, I think we should probably wrap this one early, and the next one's due to our overtime on Tyler. But uh, I think, like you said, this isn't one of his best albums but it is uh i do believe a significant one for the reasons we have discussed and i think he's given us a lifetime of timeless music already this album didn't have to be perfect and it's clearly not like a cash grab of any sort it's clearly it had it had a direction and had an idea a theme and it was done in a tasteful enough way to where it does nothing to cheapen his legacy, despite his somewhat diminished uh, state of performance. Amen. Yeah. Well, if you don't mind, I think we will get to our throwback pick for this week, which is Harry Nelson's The Point. This is a 1970 album by the singer-songwriter. Uh, he also produced, and I'm, I, I couldn't, I, I was trying to track down if there were uh, instrumentalist credits for this album. I couldn't find any, so I'm going to assume he did a lot of the playing on this album. I'm going to assume he did the piano, if not uh, some of the other instruments as well. You likely know more about Harry Nelson than I do, but um, I was shown this album uh, a few years ago by some friends, and we watched the um, accompanying uh, kind of made-for-TV uh, animated film, and it's just, I don't know. I think I, I chose this because of it, it being the holiday times. And um, I think this, in, in case anyone listening is not aware of its existence, I think this makes for a great substitute for maybe a classic holiday film if you're, you're getting bored of all the classics or at least an accompanying one to, to add to the rotation. Also, same thing with the uh, the new Beatles documentary on Disney Plus that Peter Jackson just directed. Uh, if you if, if you get bored with that but still want some kind of psychedelic pop 
um, material to engage with. I think this is a very fun and uh, heartfelt album you can engage with. Bill, what are your experiences with Harry Nelson and this album? You're dying to speak right now. Okay, boomer. Ooh. Oh, are you about to you about to lay down some hate, Bill? Well, I, I can't believe that you of all people are uh, promoting that Beatles documentary. That's that is. It, it looks like a moment of this podcast. Come on, man. There's, there, I, I, I feel like maybe because I just didn't grow up watching Beatles films and stuff. Like, I, I guess I am just interested to see the Beatles in candid moments. I think that's what struck me about the trailer for the documentary. Maybe yeah, I will I, get. I, maybe I will be bored of it by by the the end of the first part of. I have, I have no Beatles hate, and I love the Beatles, but the idea of sitting down and watching that seems excruciating when there's so much stuff that I haven't seen by artists that I'm just beginning to explore. Mm. Uh, but that said, Aaron, when I was a little baby, there were two, three or four terrestrial TV stations you could tune into with your, you know, if you ch- move the knobs around and it adjusted the antennas. Yeah. And every once in a while, th- there'd be a broadcast of Harry Nilsson's The Point. I think it must have been like Saturday afternoons or Sunday afternoons because it certainly wasn't during school. And I loved this as a child and it did it floored me when I was a kid. I always thought of it, speaking of the Beatles, as like the companion to the Beatles' Yellow Submarine, yeah. which was also on TV all the time um, after the regular kids' cartoons ended. Uh, and my take when I was a, you know, seven or eight years old was the point has better music, but Yellow Submarine had better animation. Mm. And I did, in fact, go back this week when you made the selection to rewatch The Point. And I still love the music. And maybe I appreciate the music more than I ever have. But visually, it's not nearly as good as I remembered. Yeah, it's that, not. That, the animation. Yeah, I watched, um, there is one full, like you can watch it in full on YouTube. Somebody has restored it to some degree. And um, it is, it's it's funny, like due to some weird contractual stuff, like there's one uh, version of this that's narrated by, uh, the first one was narrated by Dustin Hoffman, the original release, but there was something in the contract where it couldn't be rebroadcast with his narration. It was a one-time thing. So then one of the, the next broadcast was the one, the one I watched, I think the Alan thick narration. And there's also, I guess out there somewhere, a Ringo star narration of this. So I guess it'd be fun to track those other ones down at some point, just to mix it up on, on the next watch. But, Fun uh, fact: Alan is the father of Robin. By yeah, the way. I'm, I'm. I'm aware of that, Bill. I'm not. Uh, whatever. Uh, yeah, I could have not. Shut known. up, Bill. Shut up, Bill. <laughs> that's our. That's our new catchphrase. Gangsta, gangsta. Shut. Shut up, Bill. Uh, 
but yeah, no, uh, this, this, uh, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a concept album as, as to go along with this, um, uh, TV film. It's a story about this boy named Oblio who comes from the pointed village. Everyone has a pointed head and all of their buildings and all of their items are pointed and, uh, yeah, cause everything has to have a point. And, uh, I, in, in the very brief, I, I figured this would have a longer Wikipedia entry. Maybe there's some additional reading I can do elsewhere about it, but the, it, the, the very brief writing on the Wikipedia page was just like, yeah, Harry Nelson was tripping on acid one day and he noticed that all of the trees in the forest had, had points at the top. And he's like, oh, I could write an album about that or something, some just like stupid bullshit like that. But, you know, I'm sure, you know, dumb acid trips or what have inspired plenty of great rock songs and rap songs over the years. So who am and, I? And to... a lot of this really is great. Yeah. Uh, the opening track. Uh, yeah, Me and My Arrow. Wait, no, got him. Is, is me and My Arrow. Come on. That, Dude, that's uh, probably that, high. That, that, that just a, it's just an adorable, fun song about a boy and his dog. And it, that's there's it's there's nothing more american than that you know yeah the, he harry nilson like when he's is. at the top of his game which wasn't very often but he certainly is here it was like was like the american paul mccartney yeah. these melodies are so good yeah the 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 vocals are amazing uh the, the, this is indeed as you said charming throughout yeah so yeah and, and it's intensely fun and clever at really every at every point you could say um sorry um yeah and and, and to you suggested this would be good you know alternative viewing for, during the holidays and this just just to make it clear this is for children yeah and i don't know if you know a kid who's seven years old in 2021 is will be too jaded already to you know accept the the music or and the visuals but i would hope that they would be i'd like i, I i'd like to, i'd like to someone to report back like, like the like the father in this in this animated movie uh back in back in my day kid kids used to like having stories read to them uh <laughs> that, was, that was a very funny like it, it is funny watching this like what 50, 50 years later and and having this this uh father character speaking about oh back like the kid just wants to I think watch TV or listen to the radio or something. And he's like, back in my day, kids like have story, like having stories read to them. So I think it's like a funny uh, with the context now of just all of the continued uh, technological advances and ways we consume uh, art and stories and film and stuff. So I, I think that was, that was a, that always produced funny, moments the the dad's just always jumping back in to say that when when the the child is getting bored or something and uh, if i'm not mistaken in the in the movie the boy is being read to while he's lying on his bed and he has a television above his bed yeah. and he's staring at the tv as his dad reads the story yeah and um and something <laughs> 
I I think um, this is going to be a very weird, embarrassing way to end this episode, but I feel obligated to be transparent here. Um, okay, let me first ask you, Bill. Did you, on this watch, or have you in the past cried while watching this movie? This has never moved me to tears. No. Oh, man. I don't know if I was just in a mood. Oh, no, okay, so the thing is, <laughs> this is the more embarrassing part. Because this is, like, you know, this is a sappy, like, the in, in its, the, the concept of the album and the film is that, like, this, this, this child without the point on his head is banished to the pointless forest. He, he is forced out of his village uh, because he's not like the rest of the people. And, you know, so overall, it's just a very simple uh, way of being, you know, it's about not discriminating against others and it's anti-bigotry in, in its concept. But, uh, and, but there are little quirks and uh, like while he's out in the, the forest, he's encountering all these characters that kind of, I think are like analogs for like experiences in adult life and people that are trying to communicate to him that not everything needs a point. So I think that's what you're meant to walk away with. Uh, but it's funny because yeah, this, this very heartfelt, uh, sappy, uh, you know, concept album and film, yes, moved me to tears. And one week ago, I was also, <laughs> so I was similarly moved to tears, strangely enough, while watching the beginning of Oliver Stone's new JFK documentary, where he revisits his 1991 film, JFK. And, but he opens this documentary where he just examines all of this new evidence that's been released in the JFK case about his assassination. Um, he opens the, the documentary though with this very, I don't know how well known this speech is in regards to Kennedy's speeches, but he opens it with this very inspiring uh, speech that JFK once gave about, it, it was like an anti-bigotry, anti-discrimination speech. Like it was like, we haven't, we're, we still have work to do when it comes to making sure Americans are fully free, like Lincoln freed the slaves, but we still need to get rid of all, of, we, we need to fight for civil rights really is, is what he said in a very, in a much more poetic way than I just described. But I was, I was moved to tears by that. And then this week by uh, the point, and I think it was, it's just me. I think, I think, Maybe I would have without the pandemic, but, you know, the pandemic has been a very, uh, you know, people say in these in these uncertain times and I'm like, yeah, I feel pretty uncertain sometimes. You're not lying. You're that's you're not just saying that like that's a real thing. And like just seeing like this very what at least what appears to be very pure. um optimism for a, a brighter future that was uh, evoked by these these two men in the 60s and 70s like 
it kind of breaks my heart to like look back at that optimism 50 60 years later and see just like what a pile of shit um america has has kind of come to like it, that was not an elegant way of putting it but like we're you know civil, civil liberties are not much further if at all than they were what 50 years ago so like it, it, it kind of I think on that level it just broke my heart I would like to know specifically at what points watching the point you cried um I think maybe straight up just me and my arrow I think just uh, that was a cute sappy moment and then also I just I think it was just when when they were were having this like tribe the the tribunal to kick oblio out of the village I was like no they can't do this to him he's it's just because he's not like the others they they can't do this to him oh that's cute aaron yeah i'm i'm an i'm an emotional guy you you know this bill well i mean to, to be fair since you opened up i cried friday night at a gospel concert amazing yeah uh, no you 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 i you you do I have seen you mention in your blog about being moved to tears before and you, on at least a semi-regular basis, you are moved to tears by art. And uh, that is something I appreciate your uh, transparency in. It happens. And it, it feels good. Crying it crying does feel good. Yeah. It's okay to cry. <laughs> uh, and folks, that's, that's the lesson of In My Headache this week. It's okay to cry. It's okay to do an eight minute long text post for a song, even if it's not a, the best song on your album. Um, you're gonna die one day, like like Willie is going to, and maybe there's a heaven and you'll meet God and hang out with your, your childhood dog. Maybe not, uh, but you know, hey. Gangsta, gangsta. Gangsta, gangsta. <laughs> Oh, what a what a you're, you're supposed to say, shut up, Bill. Shut up, Bill. And we'll see you all next time on In My Headache. Follow at shellcockmag. Visit shellcockmusic.com, shellcockmag.bigcartel.com. Look out for all the gigs coming up. Bill, plug. There stands the glass.com, plasticsex.com. And look for me in the air tomorrow. I'm getting on a plane. Uh, okay, well, we'll we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.